Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Today, we're celebrating marriages that have been restored. Relationships with God rediscovered and rekindled. Disciples being raised up. I'm thinking of someone like an Emily Bratlin who's raised up to be a leader and also now has a calling on her life for ministry. I'm, I'm looking back at over our church and seeing how so many things that God has done in the lives of people in our church. We're celebrating finances being restored, people getting out of debt, people saving money, putting God first in their finances. And every single one of us in the room tonight, every single person who's in the room here tonight has been impacted in some meaningful way because of Encounter Church, because of God's dream for this church and for his dream for this city. And I am so thankful for that dream. I am so thankful to be able to to give my life. It has been an honor and it has been a privilege to lead this church. I'm so thankful that God has put that dream in our heart and it's been an honor and it has been a privilege to lead this church and to partner with you. But I'm here to tell you tonight that we're not done yet. I believe that with all my heart that there is more to do. I believe that. And God has an even greater vision for us and for our city. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the future is bright. And there are some slides behind us that we can look at. And I want to share a couple things with you, though. Over the past five years, we've been we have met in four. Yes, four different Sunday morning locations. We've had to adapt and adjust to the transient nature of being planted in the city. We have seen people come and we have seen people go and that's a challenge. We have pushed through when our finances have been tight and when we didn't feel like we had any room to grow because of the spaces being too small. And when we moved into the Neighborhood Academy about a year ago, it took us quite a while to get our feet under us and to figure out how to use the abundant space that God has given us. So we went from a space that was super small and tight to a place where we had plenty of room and we've had to adjust and figure that out. And along the way, life has seemingly gotten busier and busier and more and more demanding, which is probably reflected in why some people aren't here tonight because of that very challenge. And I'll be honest with you, that all of this, all of the challenges that we have faced, the things that we're facing now, sometimes feel very difficult. And frankly, oftentimes they are overwhelming as your pastor, And just in general. But when I look back at all that God has done over the last five years and all that we have been through together as a church and all that we have accomplished together with God, I have no doubt and I can say 100% that I believe that the future is bright. I believe that. One thing that I know is that we cannot live in the memory of the past. We can look back and we can see everything that has happened and be thankful for it. And I would tell you that if the doors of our church closed today, that for the rest of my life, I would look back and I would be proud of what our church has accomplished. But just like we can't live in the memory of the past, we also can't settle for the present. We can't look around and say, you know what, it's good enough. You know, like what we do on Sunday mornings is enough or, you know, what I've given is enough because there are still thousands and thousands and thousands of people who don't know Jesus. There are thousands and thousands of people who are following all sorts of false religions, who are getting themselves into trouble, who are brokenhearted, who are killing themselves, who are killing other people, all sorts of things. Society is going down the toilet. And Jesus 
wants to do something about that. And so that's the very function of a church. We cannot live in the memory of the past, and we cannot settle in the present. There is more to do. God is not done, and he is not finished with us as a church. And so we find ourselves at a moment, I believe this, we find ourselves at a moment right now in time where we need a fresh vision, where we need something to say, God, what do you, what do you want to do? We need a fresh word from God about what he's calling us to. And so all throughout this summer, we have recognized this. The leadership of our church have recognized that we want to see what God wants for the new chapter in our church. We've been dreaming together. We've been praying together and coming up with strategy for it. And so tonight, we're ready to share that vision, the fresh vision that God has given us. And tonight, a new season begins. And so I want to share it with you, and I've got some of it on the screen. And I want to say this before we get into some of the details, is that it's not really anything dramatically different. So for some people who are thinking, like, is our church going to be moving out of the city? Are we going to be doing this? Are we going to be doing that? Like, this is not about some kind of crazy shift. What it really is, is about getting back to what our church is called to be. It's about, it's about emphasizing what a church is supposed to be about. It's about rediscovering our roots and recommitting to being what God has called us to be and to being the most vibrant version of that church possible, healthy so that we can make a difference in our community. And so first and foremost, the vision for Encounter Church moving forward is not going uh, to sound new to you. It is a vision for the East End. It is a vision for the East End. That means serving and reaching families and the individuals who live in the neighborhoods that surround our church and being ready for when they come on a Sunday morning. It means growing stronger and stronger as a church. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. But we believe that we have a unique opportunity to reach the East End. If you think about it, I don't know if you've ever really paid attention to this. I've said it at different times, but I counted. We are immediately surrounded by eight neighborhoods. Eight neighborhoods. Lawrenceville, Stanton Heights, Morningside, Highland Park, East Liberty, Garfield, Friendship, Bloomfield. Every one of those neighborhoods are literally right around where our church meets. God has planted us in a space where we are uniquely qualified to be able to reach every one of them, and they're centrally located between all of them. And I think it's so clear that this is what God has called us to be, to reach the East End, to reach the people in the East End, and not just focus on one neighborhood, but to be a church for the entire East End of Pittsburgh. I believe the future is bright. And so one of the ways that we want to do that is we want to be a consistent, life-giving presence in the neighborhoods surrounding our church. We don't want to just be a building in the church that meets on Sundays that people have to come to. We want to have a life-giving presence in those communities. That means meeting needs in the community. It means dealing hope. It means bringing life and light into the darkness. It means broken families being mended. It means marriages being restored in our communities. It means addictions being broken. It means finances being rebuilt. It means loneliness and depression and guilt and shame being reversed off of people. It means the kingdom of God on display outside of the walls of our church. It means salvation. It means baptisms. That's what it means, I believe, to be a consistent, life-giving presence in our neighborhood surrounding our church. So the question then becomes, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? And it's, I don't think it's really as challenging as we think it might be. If you were to come up with and think of a, a strategy for it, I believe it's incredibly simple. And here are the things that we as a leadership team have come up with that we believe we're going to put our focus in over the coming season now. Number one, 
It's a focus on a simplified purpose and mission. You've heard us talk about Encounter God in real life. That's who we are. Everything that we will do is based around teaching people and inviting them into understanding they can know God right where they're at every day at every moment. That guides every single thing that we do. But the second thing is this is new. You might have known that we used to have our three E's, which was the experience God, explore faith, and express publicly. Well, one of the things that we came up with this summer was that we wanted to make it super simple, that it's easier for you to tell people what our church does. Encounter Church, what do we do? We love people, we know God, and we serve the world. Everything that we do as a church encompasses that right there, right? We want people to know that they can meet God in any place, and we're going to love people, we're going to spend our time getting to know who God is, and we're going to serve our world. And it's going to be hard sometimes, but it's worth it. So we're going to focus on a simplified and purpose and mission, making sure it's super clear so that people can talk to their friends about our church. They can talk to their coworkers. They can talk about people they meet. Hey, yeah, this is what our church is. Number two is we want to have an intentional, focused, and regular outreach. This is something that we're going to get back to. A space right now where, you know, for the last year, we have not been in our community. This past summer, we did our back-to-school bash. But other than that, we haven't really been involved in our community. And a lot of that is just admittedly that we were just trying to figure out how to, how to have Sundays in our new building, trying to figure that out. We spent the last year really, really focusing on getting our finances under control. I shared that at our anniversary service that, you know, we rebuilt our entire budget from the ground up based on percentages rather than dollar amounts so that we can scale with our, the size of our church. And so so these, we, we've decided that we're going to be having consistent presence in our communities by doing four rotating outreaches every year. So every quarter, there's going to be an all-church outreach. Every, every quarter, there's going to be one, and they're going to be based on these four categories. So the first one, or where one of them, will be service project-oriented, where we will have a big serve day, where we will have multiple projects around the neighborhoods that we are surrounded by, and we will have people sign up for those projects, and we will all go out as one church family at different sites in one day and serve our city in those spaces. We're going to do that once a year. One of them every year will also be compassion-oriented. So some of you might remember we did like a Friendsgiving dinner or Thanksgiving where we fed the hungry. Um, and that can take a variety of different ways, but this is, that's what we mean by compassion. It could be a homeless ministry. It could be a variety of things that are meeting needs, physical needs, compassion-oriented needs, in our, in our city, in our, in our neighborhoods. So that's one that we will do. Another we will do is a gospel-centered uh, outreach where we will call our entire church to come together on one day, once a year, where we will come together in a space, and it's going to be an evangelistically charged meeting or group uh, outreach where, where some people will preach. Others will maybe dance, maybe do a drama. Others will be passing out cards. There's a variety of ways for everyone to be involved, but we want to focus on making sure that we are also presenting the gospel in our city as well. And last but not least, we're also going to have once a year a celebration or fellowship-oriented event, like, a, like a, we'll talk about in a few minutes, a chili cook-off or um, like a block party or something along those lines, right? So we're going to be doing those. Every quarter, there will be one, and we're calling everyone to do it. And what's going to happen over time is what happened in Lawrenceville. We will begin, people will begin to know who we are. They're going to begin to know that we're the church that serves. They're going to know that they can rely on us. They're going to see that we're not going anywhere. And it builds bridges. It builds avenues in. So an intentional, focused, regular outreach. The third thing we're going to do is we're going to create clear pathways to connection and on-ramps to build teams and grow the church. And what do I mean by that? I mean 
We want to find ways that when someone walks in the door that they know exactly how they can build, get into relationships, how they can get into life groups and begin serving on teams. And so some of the things that we're going to be putting a lot of effort and attention into is something, one that we call the encounter journey, which is a, a visual display of the expectations and journey we want people to walk through. Come back to that in the coming weeks. Something we're going to be focusing on is a life group open house, and most of you probably have been a part of one of those before. But specifically, it's going to be different because we're actually going to model on a Sunday morning what a life group looks like. So we're going to take part of our service, and we're going to actually break into groups, and I think that's going to get people involved into our groups, which I think is going to be awesome. We're going to do a Dream Team Expo where we're going to, after service, invite people to meet the leaders of teams and, and meet people on the teams and become a, they get connected to them. And we're going to be doing all of this on a quarterly basis. So there's going to be a rhythm to it so that it's going to be completely obvious and expectations going to be out there. People will know that this is coming and so they'll see it on a regular basis. So that in addition to keeping our vision in front of them, creating clear steps for people to take and having these will create the right on-ramps, create the space for people to get involved, which is going to build our teams and grow our church and get people connected into relationships. And number four, we want to foster a fresh focused, and fired up dream team. We have a team of people in our church. Some of you are here tonight or a part of it. Every one of you are on our team, and you are a part of it. And there are people who aren't here tonight who are a part of our dream team. But sometimes when you're the only ones doing things, you can feel like you get tired. And sometimes you feel like maybe you don't really know why you're doing what you do, and sometimes it feels like it becomes a job if you just do it so often and you don't have people you know, alongside of you and reminding you. And so one of the things we're going to be doing is creating intentional and regular dream team gatherings, probably on a quarterly basis, where we'll come together like this as the whole dream team. And we're going to have time for vision, time for team building, time for training, and time for fun where we have a good time together. We're going to invest in our dream team and make sure that everyone stays fresh and stays focused and fired up because if you know what you're doing, you know why you're doing it, you know how to do it, and you're doing it together, I, I don't think people are going to get tired because we'll have people wanting to join our teams. And I'm excited for all of that. So a focused and simple purpose and mission, intentional, focused, and regular outreach, clear pathways to connection and on-ramps to build teams and grow the church in a fostering a fresh, focused, and fired-up dream team. It doesn't really sound that different. The biggest change is going to be that we're just getting really getting back into outreach again on a regular basis, and then we're cleaning up our systems and structures, you know, on Sundays and making sure that we're creating a clean and um, just really simple way for people to get involved. But you know what? It's a big deal, and the reason it's a big deal is because we're a small church, and if we don't take the time to evaluate what we're doing, and how we do it, and whether we're being effective, when one person comes or goes, it means a lot more than if a church of a 1,000 has one person come or go, right? So the reason we're here tonight is because we want to focus around it. We want to focus and say, hey, here's where we are, and here's where we're going, and here's where we're heading. All of this, sort of what we're talking about, is going to be unveiled to our whole church and implemented beginning October 28th. And the reason for that is because on that day, we're having a really special day where we're having a chili cook-off and a fall festival. And so what this is, is a day where we're actually going to be inviting 5,000 people from our community. Now, we don't expect 5,000 people to show up, but what we are expecting is that some will. We're going to introduce ourselves to people in the neighborhood. And we're inviting them to come on Sunday the 28th. And after church, we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. 
We're going to have a chili cook-off, and anybody is welcome to enter that. And there will be a gift, a prize for the person who has the best cook-off, chili cook-off, the ones who win. We're inviting people to come, and we're encouraging you to invite your coworkers. We're inviting you to bring your family and your friends. We're inviting you to bring people on this day. It's going to be an awesome. This is where it's leading to, and after that, we'll begin that cycle of the quarterly on a regular basis, making sure that we're connecting people because what we want to be is ready. And the reason we're here tonight is because, and for the next four weeks, the next three weeks after tonight, is because we want to make sure that we are all ready so that when new people come, it's ready for them to roll, right? That's the idea. So October 28th, the Chili Cook-Off and Fall Festival. Now, how are we going to get people there? The week before, Saturday the 20th, every one of us, hopefully, who can be here, are going to go out and we're handing out 5,000 door hangers around our neighborhoods. Walking up and down the streets, just putting on the door hangers. If we have a chance to meet people, invite them personally. That's it. We are going to be spending a few hours, and the more people we have, don't worry, it's not going to be just you, because I'm going to lay the guilt on thick on Sunday mornings. Get everybody out, as many people out as possible. The more people that we have on Saturday the 20th, the faster it goes. We're going to be doing it in a radius around. We're serious about reaching the neighborhoods around us. The 28th is where this all leads to. And on the, and on the door hangers, it invites them to come and be a part of what's happening on that day. We wanted to create something that would, would be enticing for people who are thinking about a church, maybe thinking about making a switch from a church, whatever it might be, and give them a reason to come out. And we wanted it to be relational and not such a big deal that when people who did come, they would get lost in the shuffle. We want people to see who we are and our strength is in relationships. So that's where we're heading. One church, one family, one direction, not the band. But we need you. We need you guys. We're inviting you and everyone else who couldn't make it tonight. And so if you see the friends that you know should be here, and for whatever reason they're not here, make sure they're here next week. We need people here. Because we're inviting you to come and being a part of the dream that God has for the East End. But here's the thing. First, our hearts have to be ready. And so... The message portion of tonight, and I want to keep this as quick as possible, is this. The big idea is this. In order for us to go where God wants us to go, we have to become the people that he wants us to be. That's, that's the reality of it. In order for us to go where God wants us to go as a church and as individuals, we have to become the people that he wants us to be. And so I want to read a passage of Scripture that illustrates this idea. This is in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. A little bit of a, a context for you real quick. The Israelites had just been set free from slavery in Egypt. So if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, if you've ever read the book of Exodus, this is the story. They just went through this whole moment, and they have witnessed incredible miracles from God. They've seen the Red Sea parted. They've seen the provision of water coming out of rocks. They've seen quail, which are little birds, being uh, provided for supernaturally for them to eat in the middle of the desert. They've seen God leading them in a pillar of fire and a pillar, a cloud of a, a pillar of a cloud during the day. God had brought them to the edge of this new vision, a place called the Promised Land that we learned about in Genesis. Right throughout our created series, we learned that God was saying, "I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to bring you to this place, and this is the vision for you." God had just now brought them to the spot. They're looking across the river. Okay where they would live and make their own home. And he has spoken over them what is to come and what is waiting for them. And now it's time to reach out and to take it. Does that sound familiar? That's what was happening to us tonight. Well, listen, let's read the story of what happens next in Numbers 13 and 14. What takes place is a tale of two different responses. 
when facing a challenge, a challenging vision from God. And I think we're going to see some elements that are going to apply to us, and then we'll close tonight. Numbers 13 and 14, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the land of Canaan I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who is a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the Lord's command. All the men were leaders in Israel. So, verse 21, we're going to skip around. So they went and scouted out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance to Hamath. You guys know where that is, right? Easy. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahaman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were living. That's only important because they're giants. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting out the land. Verse 26, the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. And we also saw the descendants of Anak there, the giants. Verse 30, then Caleb, one of the 12 spies who came back, quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone with them, up with him, responded, we cannot attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. On a side note, I would like you to know that pastors, leaders, told me that the city devours church plants. That's what people told me. They said that. They said people have started churches in Lawrenceville before. People have tried to start churches, and they fail. Every one of them fails. That's what they said. So think about that for a second. The vision that God has given to the people of Israel for the land that he's told them to go in, and the people looked at the land, and they said, the land we pass through is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. Chapter 14, verse 1. Well, because of that report, the entire community broke into loud cries and the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron and the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and our children will become plunder. Could you see the panic rising in them? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt where they were slaves? Verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole assembly of the Israelite community. And Joshua, the other guy, Caleb and Joshua, the only two who were not living in this fear state, stood up. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who scouted out the land, tore their clothes as a symbol of their frustration, of their mourning, and their anger of what their own brothers and sisters were saying, and said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us only don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. All right. In order to go where God wants us to go, 
we have to first become the people that he wants us to be. And so here are my thoughts. We have to allow God to do a work within us before we can expect him to do a work around us. Most of the people that God brought and spoke to in this passage ended up missing out on the promised land. I don't know if you know that part of the story, that most of them, the only ones actually who got to go were Joshua and, and Caleb. The rest of them, it was the next generation. They missed out. Everybody missed out because they couldn't see what God wanted them to see. They allowed their present or their past circumstances to keep them from believing that what God wanted and what God spoke would come to pass. They couldn't see what God was saying because they only saw what they saw in the moment and they only saw what they knew in the past. And on the flip side, though, Joshua and Caleb had faith and trusted God and got to partner with God and see those promises be fulfilled. I got to tell you guys, right now, it looks scary. There's what, 12 of us in the room? I don't know. I've spent my entire day today dealing with what feels like a ridiculous amount of frustrating situations that have distracted me all day from what I was trying to say tonight. But I feel a lot like the Israelites right now. I feel like I see what God has said. I'm looking at the land that he has called us, that he's promised to give us. And I have a choice, and I think every one of us, each of us have a choice tonight. And so do the rest of our church that we are inviting to come and join us in the coming weeks. We all have a choice of who we're going to be. Are we going to be like the rest of the Israelites? Or are we going to be like Joshua and Caleb? I want to be like Joshua and Caleb. I want to see what God sees. I want to hear what God speaks. I want to trust that God is in control and will do what he says he's going to do. I want to see God's vision for our city and for our church come to pass. But first, I have to be willing and I have to allow God to work in my heart and to make me ready. I got to let go of what's holding me back. I have to allow God to restore me. I have to open my eyes and let him see let me see what he sees and each one of us need to do the same thing in this room in order for us to go where God wants us to go we have to become the people that he wants us to be we have to allow God to do a work within our hearts before we can expect him to do a work around us so the reason that we're here tonight is to share what God has spoken over our church and to come together as one family and to say that we will do whatever it takes to make it happen we want to declare as one church that we will see what he sees, that we have heard him speak, and that we believe that he will make it happen. So with the remaining time that we have tonight, just a few minutes, I want to take some steps to make sure that our heart are right and allow God to do a work within us so that we can be ready for the next steps that God is calling each of us to. So Aaron is playing, but listen, guys, I just want to take some time to pray. We're not going to make a big show of it. We're not going to do anything crazy, but listen, I think this is important. I feel like this is so significant. When we sat down as a team about what tonight was going to be, we knew that this night would be the most spiritual of the nights because the rest of them are going to become more practical, more about what we're doing and where we're going to go and how we can get there and how you can be a part of it. But tonight, we got to start in the right place, which is making sure that we're prepared in our hearts, counting the cost and we're working in our heart. So let's close our eyes and just pray. I want to pray over us. 
The first area of, of response, the first area of prayer that I believe that we need to attack or that we need to work through is our energy. You know, a lot of what the Israelites complained about was that they were exhausted and they were tired because they had walked through the desert, they had been through a lot, and they were tired, and they were. But that is not an excuse or a reason to move and to say that we can't do what God has called us to do because I believe that God has a plan. Every single time they needed something to give them strength or to give them nourishment, God provided it supernaturally. God provided for them water in the middle of an inhospitable desert and food where there shouldn't have been any. And so instead of being tired, and it's okay to admit we're tired, but we have to find refreshment from the Lord. And so tonight, our first prayer response is relating to our energy and not holding on to an identity of being tired, but instead of saying, you know what? God will provide the strength and the energy that I need as I walk with him every day. And as I give myself over to him, he will provide places of rest. He will provide time of provision. He will provide those things. And so I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to do any of that. I want this is to be a moment between you and God where you say, you know what, I am tired. I'm tired, God, but you know what? I've also allowed my tiredness to keep me from seeing, to keep me from joining in, to keep me from jumping forward, to keep me from being excited, whatever that might be. This is not an accusation. This is myself as well. I can tell you that for quite a long time that my heart was not 100% in because I was tired and I was exhausted. And so, God, right now, every one of us in the room, whoever is feeling right now in a space of feeling tired, God, we say, I will not be held back by being tired. I will no longer allow myself to be defined by whether I am tired or burned out. The situations and the reasons that may have caused us to be that way are real, and we recognize them, we admit them, and we will figure out what to do differently, but we will not, we will not hold, be held back by that anymore. And we ask now for a refreshing right now, God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come into this room to, 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 to be with each person right now. That everyone represented here today that walked in here feeling tired, that right now they would feel uh, an immense just relief in their life. That, that, that supernaturally the peace that you promised would come in Jesus' name. I pray that we would receive it. I pray that you would show us right now ways that we can rest. You would show us opportunities of time that we waste and things that we do that really don't bring us rest. They just escape. God, we've talked about that so many times. I pray that right now, for the season ahead, each one of us would not be tired, but we would be filled with vision and that we'd be filled with energy, that we'd be filled with excitement and we'd be filled with a supernatural energy, God, that until the teams do grow, until more people come, God, as we prepare our hearts to be that and carry this on our backs with you, that, God, we ask that you would give us a supernatural energy, a strength, God, for the task that is ahead of us. We thank you for the energy that you will give, the sustaining power that you gave your people that you will give us tonight. The second area is an area of attitude, an area of attitude. You know, one of the problems that the Israelites faced was a problem of grumbling, a problem of, of negativity, a problem of complaining. So many of their problems was seeing the dark side of things rather than what God had done and was doing. And so tonight I want to pray grumbling versus gratitude. Again, this is not out of a place of, of, 
of saying that there aren't things that are difficult or challenging. We recognize those things. We have spent an entire summer thinking about them and how we can do things differently. But now is the time, the vision ahead of us, the new space before us. No longer are we going to have negative attitudes. No longer are we going to grumble or complain or to speak to people about the things that we don't have or that we wish we had. And instead, we will turn our attention to being thankful for all that God has done. For every person whose life has been changed. For every person that this year we will see come to know Jesus. For every person who gets reconnected. For every life that is saved from suicide. From every addiction that will be broken. We will say thank you for it. Thank you that we have the opportunity to move into this vision. Thank you that we serve a God who cares about people and that we get to partner with him. That is the attitude that we need to have. And God, I repent of my attitude. I repent of my negativity. I repent of those things. And guys, you do the same thing right now in your own heart. The times or the spaces where you have allowed yourself to slander his church or where you have allowed yourself to complain or to bring people down into your own spaces. This is not an accusation. I know it has happened. I have seen myself in those spaces. I repent to them, God. I want what you want. I see what you see. I know that you're calling me. I know that you're calling the people in this room to something greater. But it has to be a place of the heart of a right attitude, a positive one, of knowing that what we're doing matters and it's worth it. And when we're tired, it's still worth it. And that even if it hurts, it's still worth it. And we do it with joy, just like the disciples, just like the apostles, that we are willing to suffer because it's worth it. And that heart, that gratitude, that life that's in us, that has caused us to, to rise from our own graves, our own ashes, we are grateful for it. God, let us never forget where you have taken us from. Let us have a heart of gratitude tonight. And lastly, we need to talk about perspective. We want to pray for energy. We want to pray for attitude. We need to pray for perspective. You know, a big piece of what caused so many to miss out on what God wanted to do in their lives and and be a part of their future in the promised land was that they lived out of fear instead of faith. And yes, Faith is something that that is like, you know, well, all we can say is we have faith and ignore all the things that we have to do and put our hands to the task. That's not what we're doing. We have a plan, a God-given plan. And right now, it might look hard for some of you in the room, myself included. When I walked out of the room over there and saw a small handful of people when I expected our entire church to be here tonight, yeah, I live out of fear in that moment. But you know what? I reminded myself that we need to be people of faith. There are so many stories in Scripture that lead by example of when it seemed like there was no way, when it seemed like it was the end, that people kept walking in faith and God prepared the way, that God took care of them, that abundance came after faith. And so right now, I declare that fear... God sees. God, right now in this room and in our church, there may be people who didn't come tonight. I had a conversation with someone today this morning who reamed me out on the phone because they don't think that our church is heading in the right direction. You know what? I'm in a place right now, God, and I just say this to you personally, and I call every person in this room to have a moment with you that what you're calling us to is not easy, 
that you're, what you're calling us to. We don't know how necessarily, if it's going to work or how we're going to get there or if the things that we do, if people will show up for them. But it doesn't change the fact that you've called us and you've invited us into it. And so I say for myself, and I call each of you to do the same thing right now, that I will not live in fear that I will put plans out. I will walk in plans and in strategy, but I will trust that God is the one who will make everything happen. What he wants to have happen, he will do. I believe that. That is my mantra. That That is my prayer tonight, and I just invite you to make that yourself. I will not live in fear. I will walk in faith. Give me eyes to see with faith, God. God, we believe as a church that what we have done this summer as we have spent time listening, we have spent time praying, we've spent time worshiping, we've spent time talking and discussing, sometimes arguing and dreaming about what you are calling us to and the plans that we are putting into place is not one man's vision. This is your vision that has been shared across 10 different people. And we know it is from you. And now, God, we ask for the faith faith to walk even when it doesn't seem like it might work and knowing that you will part the seas knowing that you will provide the water you will provide the energy that you will help us when things get tough and that there is a a bright future ahead that when we hand out the door hangers that people will come that our teams will grow so we just declare in faith that we are with you and Encounter Church will rise, and then lives will be changed, and the kingdom of God will grow. And we say that we are coming along and walking behind you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. We're going to close by a song of worship, and then there's not going to be a specific formal time of closing tonight. Um, I will say goodbye, but if you, after we're done with that, you're welcome to hang out. You're welcome to worship. You're welcome to just kind of sit if you need prayer. If anything that I said tonight um, is particularly ringing in your heart or in your mind about it, God is challenging you, I would love to pray with you. Any of our leaders would love to pray with you. Pray for each other. The Bible says carry each other's burdens. This was not, um, this was meant to be a night of where we prepared our hearts so that now we can begin to walk forward with clean hearts, right? Consecrating ourselves, letting go of the past and moving forward into the future. So we're going to sing Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.